So yeah, I had, uh, you know, I, I dressed up nice. I had a nice star Wars t-shirt on here and a couple of sparkling waters that looked like, uh, not fancy. They kind of look like a seltzer water. I was hoping somebody would call me out on that or something. Nami, Nomi. Just be like, what is this, a co-ed nosting tournament? Like, come on, I'm not drinking. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. This special episode is going to be an evening with Tony Stumpo. Tony, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well as well. Um, as we're kind of talking about offline, this has been in the works for, for some time now. Um, kind of joked about how I saved this for a rainy day, and it's actually raining outside, so it stars aligned. It's perfect. Um, got a bunch of crowdsource questions, so I kind of just want to, I don't want to say blitz through this, but I mean, to see where it goes, man. What do you say? Lightning round, let's go. <laughs> All right. Well, before we, we head there, let's, for those who may not know you, um, let's just start with what team you currently play for. Who are you known for? Uh, Grand Rapids Kraken in the north. All righty. And um, what is your number and why? Number is 99, and <laughs> it's, a, it's such a stupid reason. Um, in high school, I chose that number when we got numbers on the back of our shirts for state championships for swimming. And I picked it because of Adam Banks from the mighty ducks, the original mighty ducks movie. Hmm. <laughs> he was the best. I mean, cake eater and whatever, but I liked him. I really liked Adam Banks too. Actually. I liked how he was like the only good player for the mighty ducks. And then they plucked him out to play with the, um, was it the Blackhawks? No, no, no. Bad team? with the Hawks and then yeah. they added him to the ducks. Yeah. So they, you know, poached him. Oh, that's what it was. I thought he started with them. Um, that's even better because uh, he was, you know, one of the bad guys, and he had to just kind of suck it up and and play for them, and eventually became one of their teammates. Um, I don't know what kind of character type that is, but that's one of my favorites. Where you know they they got a little chip on the shoulder, and they they kind of just change. They go from the, from bad to good. They have that like redemption arc or redemption story. The irony is not lost on me that I named my or I have the same number as a player who was like really, really good, and then got poached and went to a rival team. Oh, let's explain that then. Nope, we're good. All right. I'll, uh, <laughs> I have a secret question that might might touch on that. So, uh, yeah, actually, you say we're going we're gonna to pass on that, but uh, I, I got a surprise for you. So, okay, we'll move on then. All righty. Um, whereabouts are you from? Where do you live right now again? I'm originally from the Detroit area, but I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, been here since since high school, basically. Gotcha. Or that should say after I graduated high school. Gotcha. And um, what got you into dodgeball? Like, I think, and I, I apologize for not knowing this somehow. Um, were you part of the OG panel, the first one? Uh, I was not. I was on the second one, second which one. I think that that podcast got like lost to the yes yeah that one got lost somewhere um so it's actually a funny story uh i used to work at fifth third bank and me and my buddy um found out about a social league here and it's it was kind of like i guess beer league dodgeball if you will and uh a co-worker told us about it and 
we were going to form a team and, oh man, we'll like, we'll be able to win it and we'd be awesome at it. And well, we only got three of us to even sign up. And so we randomly got merged with other players. And one of those was uh, my buddy, Paul, who I've now been playing with ever since. And um, we ended up doing really well. We like won the league that year. Like um, probably, I mean, Paul was like our best player um, and Renato and stuff. So they were former Grand Valley players. And so that's how I found out like, wait, there's like other forms of dodgeball besides like this rec league foam stuff where then we just go drink afterwards. And um, I guess I was decent enough that I was like, oh, I want to try these other formats and just took off with it and became an obsession. Had you played dodgeball prior to this, like in grade school or high school? Never organized. We played one tournament. Um, the bar that I worked at, we played in a fundraising tournament um, at Grand Valley and got second place, uh, which was cool. Um, they didn't allow any of the um, they didn't allow any of the Grand Valley like team players to play. Otherwise, they probably would have split up, formed a couple teams, and just like waxed everybody. But um, we were there and, and did well. So that was kind of like cool. That, that wasn't necessarily um, what like really got me into it though. I, I don't, I guess I don't know what, maybe it's because I was like decent enough at it in the beginning. And like, we, we did well as a team early that I was like, Hey Paul, there's like another league coming up like in the summer. Do you want to do that one? And we kept our team together and like won the next league and the next league. And so um, I don't know. I just liked it a lot. <laughs> hmm. What, what year is this, roughly, when you first got started? 2000, 2012. 2012, okay. And had you played any uh, sports growing up uh, prior to getting involved with dodgeball? Uh, a little bit of football, but that ended early. I was uh, I just swam. I swam year-round. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't really translate. I mean, it might. I mean, I was kind of thinking, like, um, what was I thinking? Shoulder, shoulders, arms. I mean, it's you're swimming. You're doing something pretty athletic. So stability. Um, and that was that was the next question. It was like, did football or swimming help you with dodgeball in any way that you can think of? Probably not. Um, I think, I, like, I wish I had played more baseball growing up. You know, plus I was left-handed. I don't know. I probably could have pitched or something because there's not a lot of us out there. So um, I don't know. That's kind of a regret is that I didn't play more baseball growing up. Um, I, I don't think swimming translated. I mean, I might have decently strong shoulders, but uh, I mean, if you see me at the gym, you'd be like, no, he doesn't actually have that strong shoulders. <laughs> the, you said you play baseball as, as a kid, like little league or no, that's, I didn't. And that's why that's Wait, like a all. big regret of mine is what I'm saying. Like, oh, I, gotcha. I wish I had, I, but at the same time, I mean, maybe, um, and I know this is a question that I'll be asked later, but that might be why there's not a lot of wear and tear on my arm. And I feel like I can keep playing is because I didn't play, you know, 15 years of baseball before I transitioned to dodgeball. Yeah. You didn't have that. Um, you didn't beat yourself up growing up and now you were in your final form, adult form. It's maybe <laughs> cause, um, yeah, you know, the story goes like people that play football throughout all high school, they end up with bad knees by their mid twenties. Um, they just wear themselves down. Um, I've actually wanted that too myself. Cause I, I played up until high school and I just said all these, all these sports are boring, um, especially baseball. Good Lord. So I was going to say, I don't think you missed anything other than just, uh, I guess, depending on where you were just staying out in the open for a long time until something happens and then maybe getting beaned by a, a pitch here or there. But, um, did you, uh, did you ever participate in the NDL? So 2012, um, 
I was still. I um, I happened to be in Vegas for a bachelor party at the same time that uh, the NDL tournament in 2012, I believe, was going on. Um, but no, I never participated in NDL. Any um, after? What well, was the? Do you remember like if there was a perception of it back then, like? Because 2012, Elite was slowly starting to come around, but uh, for the most part, up until, yeah, 2012, 2013, NDL was it. Um, you had UGC kind of popping up too, but um, from your perspective, and I don't know if we covered this in the OG Lost discussion, but was the NDL like still kind of seen as the powerhouse for you guys out there? So the only one who had really participated in NDL in our circle or, or like the, the dodgeball players that I played with was Paul. He played with the Chicago team. Um, and I remember hearing about NDL and I was like, Oh, that that's cool. And I remember watching videos of it and you know, this is like the very beginnings of true competitive dodgeball. And I was like, man, like none of these guys look like they throw that hard. And even then they're probably throwing harder than I do now, but it just on video when you're seeing clips, it like none, nothing looked that impressive. And then I remember, at that point, I had never actually tried tried to throw an 8.5. So then I did try to throw an 8.5 after that. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This is hard. <laughs> um, but in terms of like perception of the actual league, like I knew nothing about them. Um, Paul mentioned it was expensive. And remember, he had to spend an entire day refing, um, which seemed like it would just be awful at the time. But now, um, you know, with elite and stuff and the way we kind of handle refing, it's like it just comes with the territory. You got to do it. Yeah, I, I think with Elite, though, there, there's a different, like, expectation and, like, ownership of it versus paying several hundred dollars, maybe up to the thousands, depending on where you come from. And it, it's you're expected to ref. It's, like, an obligation for you to be here. With Elite, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like a, I don't know if expectation is the right word. Uh, you know what you're getting into, and you know that because you're refing, you're actually helping keep the cost down. So it's a different kind of, like, request, I guess, versus the NDL, if you were a pro, then, you know, Mr. Prentice pretty much thought he owned you. And, um, I guess we kind of leave it at that. I mean, I went off on the NDL a little bit earlier with, uh, with Justin Bosch and, you know, if he compiled all my sound bites of the NDL, it's, it's rarely is it positive. So I'll just kind of move off, move away from that one. Scathing review, huh? I wouldn't say scathing. Um, I, I try to be balanced and, and see the good for it. Cause there definitely was a lot of good that came from the NDL. I mean, heck we wouldn't be talking right now if it wasn't for, for what they did. It's just how they went about it, and again, that's that's a whole other rant that we can maybe. I don't know if we if we end up like cutting this short somehow, we can go back into it if we need filler. But um, I think most people know where I stand. But I'm always curious to know like what it was like for other regions because they're very not popular here in the West, and um, I think there's like maybe some small pockets, one or two of resistance where they still think the NDL is going to go anywhere or U.S. dodgeball, whatever it is now. But anyway, um, did you ever participate in any NCDA or any other like like NADA or any other type of uh, major tournaments or organizations? So already after I had like been part of Elite for a few years and stuff, I went back to grad school at uh, Michigan State. And even though I lived an hour away from campus, uh, my program, I only had to go there every other weekend and most of it was like online. It was an executive MBA program. Um, I wasn't like, I wasn't not going to play. I was like, Oh, there's dodgeball to be played there. Yeah. I'm going to play. So I did two years at Michigan state as the 29 and 30 year old. Um, one of the older players in the league playing against a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds. I mean, I, so that I, was fun. I'd do it now if I could, I, I'm not going to judge for that <laughs> at all. 
So that's kind of cool. You actually went from elite to NCDA. Yep. What's the perception of them? So kind of like what I asked with the NDL, um, because I, as I understand, they're, they're pretty massive in that, what, Great Lakes, Midwest area. So were they seen as like the dodgeball powerhouse from your perspective growing up? Uh, I mean, elite was, but not everybody who was in the NCDA, not everybody automatically just thought highly of elite. Like they, I think there's a lot of folks that played NCDA and that's like all they want to play. And that's the only style they care to play. And that's kind of a whole conversation that, you know, um, when the debates about pinch get brought up, um, you know, that's a whole tangent you can go into where it's like pinch or die. And, uh, there's a lot of NCDA players that have that mentality and they don't want to make the jump to elite because they're not guaranteed, especially outside of the North to get to play pinch ever. And that's how they cut their teeth and how they want to play. So, um, people, I, I think most NCDA players now, and especially when I was there, like knew of elite, um, not everybody was super interested in it though. Those of us that were, were like, die hard about it you know but not everybody was they were just fine with with college and that's all they wanted to do yeah that's rough i mean that's it's kind of hard to i mean even for us ogs out here in the west like we really do not want to part with 8.5 like it's just what we've been raised with for lack of better words and to try Stay to strong yeah we're trying i mean i losing the battle mentally i'm just like whatever as long as it's not cloth like that's just give us give us that much at least but um i, I can totally see where the pinch guys are coming from and I mean, if you want to play the pinch, then all the power to you because that's that's just not my cup of tea anymore. What was uh what was it like though going from elite to NCDA? Like, was there a learning curve for you for that or? Yeah. Um. So there were there were positives and negatives in terms of of how it translated. Um. My first year of NCDA, we, like dirty blocking was still allowed. Hmm. Um. So having come from a twenty and twenty five foot throw line in elite, um going to a 30 foot throw line with dirty blocking in NCDA. Um, I, this wasn't actually the case, but like, I felt like I, you're not going to get me out of five, a ball in my hand. Um, obviously I got out plenty of times, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, so that transition was easy, but the, the running up and down and up and down the court, not that I couldn't do it. It was just so different. And I felt like, I never had time to throw. Like by the time I got up there and waited for a teammate or a blocker or caught up with them and stuff, like shot clocks winding down, it's just, it was so much different. Like I, you have to put so much effort into just like getting up to the throw line and, and getting set for a throw. It seemed like at times that, I don't know, I, in the first year, my, my game didn't translate very well. I think I was much better in the second year. I got a lot more used to it. Um, and I improved from year one to year two. So um, there, like I said, there were things that were, you know, catching someone from 30 feet was significantly easier than 20 and 25 feet. So there were certain advantages and then disadvantages for sure. Did it give you more of an appreciation for the NCDA? Like, um, for example, like as you're describing, okay, you're, you're going from elite where, you know, you can almost punch the guy from the line <laughs> to these massive courts to, you know, one foot in bounds, one foot out still qualifies you as staying in and then dirty blocking. So as you said, you kind of think like you have it easier. Did it, um, did that perception change? Like, did you have more of an appreciation for it? Yeah, I had an appreciation for how long, like some of those games would last a long time. And it's not so much that, you know, in a, in a 50 minute timed match, you're making so many more throws and stuff that like, I appreciated like that sort of stamina, but the running up and down the court, um, it did take a little bit more fitness. I feel like to be, to be good, especially over the course of an entire tournament, um, 
So I kind of, I, I had an appreciation for the fitness level. And I, I know most of them didn't, I know a lot of the kids probably just because they were 10 years younger than me were automatically going to be able to just keep up better than I could. But, uh, right. you know, I, I appreciated that part of it. So how did, how did you keep up with them? You said you went in as a 30 year old roughly. Well, I did. And then in, uh, the transition between year one and year two, uh, CrossFit Tony was born. Ah. So I think my fitness level, um, improved quite a bit. And so year two was significantly better. Nice. That's funny. I'm I, uh, going to get dragged by my friends up here for that comment for, for referring to myself in the third person as CrossFit Tony. I think, uh, Trippetti came up with that name. I think there's a question that might ask something about the CrossFit. Um, oh, Lord. I just, I was going to say, I think that's funny because when I was getting ready to go to basic for the army as a 30 year old, trying to speaking of keeping up with kids, I got into CrossFit for that reason. Cause I, I couldn't think of anything else that would help me get ready. So I don't know, maybe that's like the, the secret of, of youth. You know, if you're pushing 30, mid thirties, you want to keep up, uh, CrossFit might be where it's at. Um, if you want to, it's fun. I like it. We don't, we don't have to go into a whole discussion about that. I'm not going to try to sell people on CrossFit. I'll just get made fun of. <laughs> Well, I don't see a lot of posts from you on CrossFit, so I guess you're you're one of the good ones. Do you follow me on Instagram? No. Oh well, I take that back. I go through no, I go through spurts. It'll be like a week. I'll post maybe a couple times, and then you won't hear from me for three months about it. Is it because you go through a slump, or just because you've said your piece? Just yeah, I said my piece. I just don't need to post about it all the time. That's fair. I post more about the meal prep because I get more like that takes more effort, man. That stuff's hard. <laughs> yeah, I I don't cook, so all the power to you on that one. I. I just rely on freshly. Thank God for them. I, otherwise I'd just be eating horrible food my entire life. <laughs> um, okay. I will, I will ease off on the cross. It, it might get brought up again. So might push pause on that one, but, um, let's go back to, so elite though, even though it was kind of cool how you went from elite to NCAA. Um, you're kind of talking about how you liked dodgeball. It seemed like you're pretty good at it. Um, when did you debut in elite again? What year? Uh, November, 2013, it was like the first Midwest tournament that they held outside of Chicago. Um, it wasn't part of a series yet, but that was like when they realized, okay, like we can host in other States up here and we can actually do a series. Um, that was in, yeah, November of 2013. That was actually in Okemos. I remember if, was that a 2013 was when. There wasn't regionals yet, right? It was just like the West Correct. Coast series was four of them. And then I think he. There were two tournaments that calendar year in the North, but they weren't like regional tournaments that had like scoring together. You know what I mean? Like the points didn't matter off each other. They just did one earlier in the year and then one later in the year. Gotcha. Was that just, a, was getting into elite, like just a no brainer for you. That was like just the next step. Yeah. As long as I could, like I kind of, um, I played in that tournament and was a deer in headlights and like, I was not ready for that tournament. Um, so it was very eye opening going to that one. And it, it was like, it was like the, the tiniest little gym. Like, I mean, the walls on both sides were a foot behind you. I mean, if you lost your balance and your arms go swinging about, you're going to like hit the wall and make contact and be out of bounds. So, um, it, it was tough. And like, you know, that was, um, at that time, you know, um, final justice is on the way back up, but that was like at that time, like peak final justice. Um, and then they went through a couple years, like where their, uh, roster was really in flux until their current team. But like that original final justice lineup was very scary. Uh, and to kind of be across from them, um, 
was terrifying for your first elite tournament. And yeah, I, I was, I was flat out bad. What's, uh, what made you keep going? So like, why, why not uh, get discouraged and, and, and call it quits? I don't know. I thought, you know, early on when I was playing other formats that I had enough potential to where like, you know, I, I picked some of the strategy and some of the different things like that up quick, quickly enough that I thought, okay, I could actually maybe be decent at this. And being so not ready at that tournament and stuff, I just didn't want to like go out like a, I want to go out like a bitch like that. You know what I mean? I wanted to like get better. I was like, no, no, no. Like I'm going to be better than this at the next tournament. Like I'm going to prove at the next one I'm supposed to be here. Um, and you know, I, it took a while, actually, there was a pretty steep learning curve with it. Um, so it's not like, oh, I came back in 2014 and was just ready to roll and no, no, no. It took a couple of years. It was just one of those, like, I've got more, more of me than this. And that was enough motivation to keep coming back. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I really like asking that question because dodgeball, I mean, it, we want as many people to play as possible. And sometimes your only chance of playing is, you know, a situation where, you know, you're, get your back up against a, a stack team and you get the crap knocked out of you. And most people don't tend to come back from that. They just say F this, this is not what I thought. It wasn't fun. I'm, I'm not gonna do it again. So it's always cool to see like the mentality behind people that get exposed to that kind of, I don't want to say harsh conditions, but they, they push through and they, they stick it out. Um, you said you had like other formats. I mean, you played foam, uh, yes, man, CDA background, um, given all that you've played, what, um, what's your favorite Favorite ball style or just style overall? Style overall. So, yeah, between NCDA, Elite, and if you want to consider Rec. Hmm. Well, I don't know. For a minute there, I absolutely hated everything that UDC was, but then like a minute later, it was my favorite. Um, I'd probably say Elite, you know, honestly, people are going to be like, of course you said that, but like, uh, I mean, I got to go with Elite Pinch. I mean, it's it was the first format, you know, on a competitive level that, um, that I kind of took to and like, felt like I could hold my own for a little bit for whatever reason that was. Um, I think pinch is hard to pick up for some folks, but I was able to, um, fairly quickly, I guess. Um, and so, and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a style of play that our team is specialized in. So it's got, you know, um, I got a soft spot for it. <laughs> gotcha. Um, why pinch? Just why? Why do you like to do that to yourself? Um, boy, I ask myself the same question after I see some of the bruises. I'm like, God, I'm getting too old for this crap. But um, I don't know. I think it's, you know, I think if we can find a way to speed it up a little bit, um, it's it would be the best format for spectators with that caveat if we could you know so many teams you know we've all got a lot of these teams have really good arms and they're content to trade throws one for one because you can get somebody out with a solo pinch throw um if it's accurate and um i think if we can find a way to just kind of speed it up to make it a little bit better for spectators in that sense i think it, it could be the future of dodgeball simply because the thing that I go back to is like, you know, we have all these discussions about ball type and and I'm sure that'll come up more, but um, you know, the foam versus rubber debate and this and that, like think about boxing 30 years ago, 
how that like kind of ruled combat sports and then MMA kind of took it over. Right. And you wonder why that is. And it's pretty easy to figure out. I mean, boxing was um, such a defensive sport and kind of was people wanted to see the knockout and you weren't getting that in boxing and you don't get that in foam Um, with pinch rubber. Like you get knockout shots constantly. You get that, that smack sound, you get the ball ricocheting halfway across the court. Uh, Your whole friends turn you into a gif when it happens to you, you know, Um, (laughs) but uh, it's like, you know, those are the things that I think spectators would want to see, you know, like chicks dig the long ball is, is the saying for, you know, that's what brought baseball back home runs. That's what MMA knockout shots. Well, that's what you get in pinch. Like you get, a 75 mile an hour throw with movement that just blows somebody up. And that's what people in this country want to see. So I I would love to see that become the number one ball style. Um, Unfortunately, if I'm being realistic, I I don't think that's the way that it's going to happen, but uh, that's what I would love. And I know every other region will just be like, well, typical North guy, that's, you know, he's going to say that, but you know, I understand why people like the other formats, you know, the curve on a phone ball is fun to watch every now and again, but I don't know to me, like pinch is just the payoff in pinch is so much better. Yeah. I mean, and that's been argued, um, even without pinch, just with 8.5, like that, that crack, right. That, that old school, just that the, the noise that the ball makes, like most people have it cemented in their brains that, you know, that's, that's stung back in the day and people watch combat sports to see people get knocked around. People watch football, um, you know, for those huge hits and people get crazy when that happens. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely like a, like a combat oriented appeal that, um, I guess speaks to people. I don't see myself like that when I watch football. Um, I just enjoy the sport. It's like one of the few things I actually like to watch. But um, from the people I've interviewed over the years, like that seems to be part of the mentality of why 8.5 should stick around or why they should allow pinch in terms of what's it, what's it going to take to get more spectators. When you're saying yeah. speed it up and and format though wise or format wise though, what um what what would what would you think would would work? Just if you had, let's say you're you're doing a production for you know a high quality money's no option dodgeball sports production like what would that look like okay so somebody actually that that was almost a crowdsource question because i read through those and uh if you were going to start your own league from scratch what it what would it be and it would probably some be some sort of hybrid between elite and ncda um so i I think it would be on a bigger court with a neutral zone but not quite as big as a full basketball court because I don't know how much value add from a spectator standpoint, the, the running 60 feet to make a throw is, but I think, you know, running 30, 40, I don't know what the, the best size is, but um, a, a wide open court like that, or, or bigger court, a little bit bigger teams, minimum eight on eight, maybe 12 V 12. Like it feels like a pro roster, you know, those stadiums or, or that court could have seating all the way around it, you know, um, so that would be, you know, my ideal setup from a spectator standpoint, like how we get people in the stands to watch. And then um, I would actually probably set up a league that had different like divisions that had like specialized like pinch teams and no pinch teams and things like that. Um, you know, we have indoor volleyball, we got beach volleyball, we've got different styles of certain sports. So like, why not try to do that with dodgeball and appeal to everybody? Um, but like the creme de la creme would be 
8.5 in, in some capacity for those exciting plays um, for that, that knockout punch, so to speak. But um, I think, you know, and you set it up like NCDA to have two halves. Um, it's a more structured product that way. Um, fewer teams uh, just, you know, I, if it was to become, you know, the big four or, or um, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, and if this was to become like the fifth sport or, or on, I mean, who knows, but I'd love to see that happen. But if it was going to be on that level, that would be where I would, uh, or how I would structure it. You know, I want to put butts in seats. I want to have people be able to see it from all four corners. Um, I don't want 18 games going on at one time and people not knowing what to do. I want people traveling in teams of 15 with bench players and a coach and, uh, and a big court. So everybody can watch and timed games, um, would be where, where I would go with that. Yeah. I would have to fix, you know, the one thing with elite and NCDA have shot clocks and that's great. Um, I'd want to try to fix the NCDA has a problem with like, you know, just the shot clock reset throws. That's boring to watch people just kind of trade throws in the dirt and uh, they just kind of ground them close to somebody. So it counts as a legal throw and they get back and they try to get ball advantage back and it slows it down. Um, you know, the last couple minutes of a football game can be boring if a team's just trying to run out the clock or basketball, you got people fouling left and right to put somebody at the line and stopping the clock and it gets boring. Um, I don't want too much of that going on. If it's, you know, three minutes left in the second half and you're clinging to a two, one lead. Sure. I don't want that crap happening. Like for 40 minutes of a 50 minute game, you know? Yeah. That would be kind of boring. And I think like that's one thing that the NCAA has, has gotten right was just off the get go, these long games with a huge roster. And it just kind of helps. Like you have time to actually give a crap about somebody or, or a pair of people or teammates versus, um, you know, these elite tournaments where, you know, some games can last like up to 15 seconds, um, or up, mm -hmm. you know, as, as fast as 15 seconds. And you just have to like, when, when people are sharing their clips, like there's just no story behind why this is cool other than somebody doing a really cool dodge or somebody getting popped in the face really hard. But if you knew that this was because of a, of a rivalry between two teams and this rivalry is, you know, three or four years long and so-and-so did this to that guy. Like you, you can't really build that until you have time to invest into an actual game versus, you know, one or two minutes here and there. So definitely, uh, I think I see that more now with, with worlds, you know, and you know, these, the foam matches happening that are a lot longer. That's, that's great. Um, but I was always curious, like just, you know, hypothetically what could happen in, kind of deterred from that one question of what is your style of play? So let's go back to that. So if you don't mind giving that away, how would you def define your style? Well, I can see the notes here. So out of what we've got here, it's probably more defensive. I do play corner for us. Um, cause I'm, I'm pretty good at countering, um, and protecting myself and protecting my teammates. So I guess I would classify that as defensive. Gotcha. And is there anybody that you model your play after? Um, I try to watch some of the best corners and just kind of see what they do. So like, I think, you know, Tim out West has probably set the standard for corners for a few years now. So I always try to watch him. Um, so I'd say I'm just like him only significantly worse. Oh, okay. So no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I can't block half as well as he can though. Like, um, dude, dude doesn't miss a block, but I, you know, he's always active in the corner. Um, and 
you know, as, as I'm starting to get a little long in the tooth as well, I try to, you know, like how, how's he playing at his age? Like, you know, he's a few years older than I am. So, um, what's he doing to adjust, try to pick up notes from that. Um, I, I respect how smart he is, um, and like how accurate he is. And so I try to just like, okay, you know, he's, he's aging. He might, I don't, I can't, say this for sure, but he probably doesn't throw as hard as he did five, six years ago. Right. But he still makes it work. So I'm like constantly trying to look like, okay, I never threw that hard to begin with. So like, you know, what, what can I do to still be more effective, you know, on a counter throw, if I'm the one who's got to go up and make the the solo throw, like, what do I do? Um, he's extremely accurate and, uh, is, uh, he always seems in control. Um, even if he's down, you know, four to one, he's by himself. He always seems in control of the game. So I try to, um, no matter what the situation is for me, I try to stay in control. Yeah. Tim doesn't have an off switch. So he will, as he said, he doesn't have a, he wasn't born with a half. That's like the Tim Fullerton quote. And, um, he, it's kind of interesting how you put that because there've been so many times where, you know, it'd be me and a couple teammates against Tim and it doesn't feel like the control has shifted on our side yet. Cause it's still Tim. We got to worry about, and he will, take his sweet time he'll he'll grind us down he'll just wait for us to get over eager and capitalize on that mistake and usually that mistake costs you know two or three players and now it's down to 1v1 and just like well crap but um i would i mean i'd say you couldn't do any 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 worse for having somebody to model your play after especially in terms of like temperament and just focus and just the will to win regardless of whether it's you know a fun charity tournament or you know it's nationals or, or what have you um and I want to say he still throws pretty hard for his age. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time I really got tagged by him. Usually it's it's a nick or it's a, a blocking in my shin. I'm sure he calculated. I'm like, man, <laughs> way, way to go, Steve. Like, he called glass. No, I'm sure he does too. And I, yeah, I didn't hope that's not taken as a slight or anything because, you know, it just, I meant, you know, we all lose steam after a while, you know. I mean, the, the some of the hardest throwers still maybe don't throw quite as hard as they did a couple years ago. And, you have to adjust. It's the same thing with like a power pitcher. If they can't throw 98, but they can still hit 90, like, well, can they now hit their spots and be accurate and, you know, make it work that way. So that's what I try to watch and and see some of these, some of these other corners and what they do to, to be effective and just try to absorb everything I can and learn from that. Sure. So I think we kind of know the answer to this one. Um, if you had to rank the balls, um, so it's kind of like a two-part question, favorite style. And the reason why I say that is like, okay, you got 8.5 normal, but then pinch. So fair to say 8.5 pinch is your first, right? Yeah. Yep. How would you rank the others? I'd go open 8.5, no sting, foam. And if I have to say cloth, I'll say cloth, but I've never actually played a cloth tournament. I've thrown that stupid ball. I was going to say we're not going to acknowledge cloth until you said stupid ball. Why is it stupid? I just, you're don't, not wrong. You, I see you type in cloth as four. Oh yeah. My, That's uh, offensive to foam. I'm so sorry. Um, I was just really excited to hear you say it's stupid. <laughs> like I really don't even want to talk about cloth until you it's said. It's just so, it's so slick and like, I, I don't know, maybe we overinflated it a little bit, but it's like, um, you can't, even the dude with the biggest hands can't really grip the thing. I think I've watched really good dodgeball players play with it and it makes them look so unathletic when they're throwing it. Um, it just makes no sense to me. It's like a volleyball with a different material. Um, and like, 
I just think it's lame. It's so stupid. It's the worst ball. <laughs> People are going to be like, well, he's not backing it up with anything. And like, whatever. Like, I don't care. It's dumb. It is the worst ball. It it, it feels clumsy. And I'm not just saying that because it's like the yeah. newest ball that I've played with. It It is like, just grab any other ball. It's terrible. So that ball has been around for a long time. Um, some people would argue 1998, 99 with the International Dodgeball Federation, which I don't think exists anymore. The The legend has it that they went through 80 some odd iterations of safe ball and they came out with this monstrosity. And um, you're, you're right. I mean, I and it's, it's good to hear that because, you know, some people will say, well, my hands are big enough for 8.5 and then they'll they'll move over to foam or no sting. But like at least 8.5 gives you the chance to work on your grip strength because like I don't have huge hands by any means, but I don't have a problem throwing it. And Mason Shank, I don't think you'll ever, I don't know if you know him, but he was a monster out of Tucson. My hands are bigger than his, and he would just throw that thing hard as crap. So the, the hand size doesn't really, in my opinion, exist as an, as an excuse for 8.5. So this cloth ball, like I... When you say like even the guy with the biggest hands, like I'm trying to think of maybe like Brody or Ketchum, maybe there's like two or three people that can actually grip that thing. Like yeah, I just... and I, I'm sure Ketchum could throw any ball hard. So it's like I mean, sure, you know, pick. Uh, I mean, pick the hardest throwing baseball player, and like, oh, he's still gonna throw any other ball hard too. So it's like, look at the other really good competitive players and I, like how are they throwing that ball i mean it's so slick the material is so slick even if you want to bash foam which i'm totally fine with doing um like the the coating on the outside of the foam ball is still grippable you yeah. know it's still you don't have to like pinch that or crush it or do it with it to be able to like throw it effectively or put curve on it it allows you to just kind of use the ball to to put movement on it um like cloth, you just, you can't do anything with it. Like even with an 8.5, people want to like, we're talking about the hand size thing. You can make it work with a clamp throw. I mean, some of the best players in the country do that. That's, that's their throw. It's not a pinch. It's a clamp. And you, you can't do that with the cloth ball. Yeah. It just feels like you're kind of just shoveling the ball, like you're cupping it and yeah, no, I, I, I hate that thing. I hope it doesn't kick off and I'm really, really sad and disappointed that it's trying to make its way into USA dodgeball and, and worlds and just like, stop, please just, just take, take the foam and, and just leave it at that. Like stop trying to inject more crap into this. I just feel like there's no way to control that ball either necessarily. Like you said, you're shoveling it. You're, you're kind of just doing like the big open hand thing, just trying to make sure that it doesn't slip out of your hand. Like, um, you know, with other balls, you can change up your grip a little bit and do different things like this one. It's like, well, I'm just hoping it goes anywhere near the target. Yep. And people will be like, well, you just suck at cloth, deal with it. And well, no, I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just not going to play it because it's dumb. How about that? <laughs> I guess there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Freaking cloth. Hopefully we're not talking about cloth recaps next year. Well, but well it is funny because you earlier asked me, you're like, yeah, some people, you know, if you come in, you get you get beat up in early tournaments and stuff, like you might feel defeated and, and not want to do it. And I totally just sounded like that for cloth. Like I tried throwing it. It sucks. And now I'm just like, no, I just don't want to. Cause I'm bad at it. <clears throat> so I totally contradicted myself from earlier, but in your whatever. defense, I mean, you, you did try playing pinch elite, right. Or elite <laughs> yeah. didn't get good right away. And you stuck around. So that's that different. Like I this cloth is just such a abomination of, of dodgeball. Like just, yeah. Anyway, 
we'll, we'll end up having this hate on cloth for like the next hour and a half, but I really want to get into the, uh, the gold, so to speak. So, <laughs> um, did you have any role models growing up? Could be fictional, real celebrities, athletes. Oh boy. Um, I don't know. Well, you know, I grew up in the nineties and everybody wanted to be like Mike. Um, so from an athletic or athlete perspective, it was like, you know, Michael Jordan or, uh, me and my friends were really big on Deion Sanders, man, prime time. Mm. Um, yeah, a bunch of short white kids. We had no hope of being either one of those two, uh, two folks, but, uh, you know, we can dream, right? Freaking neon Dion, man. That was when the Cowboys were good. The guy was playing oh. both sports. Uh, that guy was awesome. He went from them to the 49er. He won a, well, he went from 49ers to the Cowboys. He won a Super Bowl with each. Like he was just, he's the goat. Yep. I miss those days. Um, have you seen the last dance? Oh, it's so good. I am on episode five. I'm just, I, I, was, I got into it and I was like, I could just freaking like binge this but I, i'm i'm i'll probably maybe start it up, up again in the next week or so it is so good um as I, someone from detroit i don't like all of the pistons slander mm. but you know whatever it is what it is it's called yeah. a rivalry so um no you, you'll like episode seven episode seven's really good and then they get more into the rodman stuff like the guy was freaking crazy. Yeah. He's the only guy who could like leave in the middle of the finals to go tape a Monday Nitro for WCW and then like fly back and play the next game. Like it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Well, I loved how the coach just understood like, okay, Rodman, you just, you gotta let him do his thing. Gotta let him get all crazy in Vegas, you know, get, get smashed, party, do all the bad things, get out of the system and come back and he'll be there to play and he'll be, you know, at his best. Um, I thought that was really cool. Like you just have this well, one. Imagine outlier. being that good of an athlete to be able to do that. That too. Just go ravage your body for a weekend and come back and somehow be you're like fine. One of the best players in the league. Like, cool. I wish I could do that. Yeah. Tried it once. It didn't work. Yeah, I think I tried it a couple times during tournaments. I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna die. Just <laughs> not not the right choice. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably finish that by by months end. It was it was really good. And I love the '90s nostalgia. Um, it's just it's 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 fun so far so i'm kind of just savoring it to him i don't want it to end um do you have any pregame rituals yeah i tape courts nice that's good of you <laughs> is that uh do you have time for yourself to get ready like to stretch out I, or it's funny colin and i were joking about that i think the last like the last two seasons i've like never really i haven't been able to get a warm-up in really hmm. i'll try to like well got it round three our two of our players were late last year so i had to get thrown in but i'm usually like i'll sit the first point because i just got to go throw against the wall for a couple minutes while you guys play the first point um because we're running around doing stuff um no i don't i guess on a serious note i don't really have a pregame ritual i i for whatever reason before an elite tournament or like grand rapids open um detroit cup in the past i just can't sleep so like i'm up at like five in the morning before a tournament um so I just try to relax and make sure I get some coffee and a light breakfast. That's it. But um, every tournament, I feel like I try to get there earlier and earlier or as early as they will allow us to tape courts so that I have time to warm up. And I still find that I have no time to warm up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I'm sure it's uh, how do you call it? It's um, you're an unsung hero 
by setting up and, and taking time from your opportunity to warm up so that others may play. It's a, it's a very awesome sacrifice. Thanks. Must be done for now. Um, Markel Stokes generally asks this question. Um, do you have any songs that amp you up? I'm assuming probably not since you're taping unless you, unless you're, you got some headphones in while you're setting up the courts or don't now. Well, see now that I, you know, got a set of hand-me-down AirPods, I could probably, you know, take the headphones around with me and be able to pump up while taping courts, you know, if we ever get to play again. Um, yeah, there's that, right? Boy, I don't know. Like there's no specific songs that I like put on a playlist before. Um, you know, I think uh, Master of Puppets is a really good one um, that I like. Sabotage by Beastie Boys. Um, my first highlight video was set to that song, so I had to had to throw that one in there. Um, but just any any like really hard rock um, will get me going. Nice. Yeah, I'm slowly building a Spotify playlist based off everyone's answers. So it's going to range from you know Metallica to My Little Mermaid. Thanks, Ketchum. <laughs> so it should be fun once it's compiled, but uh, I've got sabotage stuck in my head now. I'm okay with that. All right. It's short. It's definitely, a, it's definitely different than, you know, an eight minute song like master of puppets, but it's still good before swim meets. I used to listen to stairway to heaven, which don't ask me why, because like, that's not a pump up song at all. It's like heavy for a minute, but it's eight, it's eight minutes long. So maybe it's the, maybe it's the build up. Like the, the end part's really cool. So yeah. Yeah, I've got conflicting songs now in my head. I'm gonna let one win eventually, but um, well, and I think what we'll do is um, we might break this up into a segment too. Um, I did that with, I think it was like a mayonnaise story with uh, Brett Hadwin, and uh, man, that got played so many times. Um, I think almost <laughs> more than the actual interview itself. So, um, kind of using you as a guinea pig for a couple things, but um. I guess what we'll do is we'll just jump into the crowdsource questions. Uh, before we do that, though, when we recorded the, we re-recorded the uh, North OG panel part two, um, I asked the guys um, just because I planned this, like this was going to happen. So I was like, is there anything I should know about regarding uh, my interview with, with, with Tony? And they said, yes, be sure you ask about the alien abduction story, which I'm probably not going to like. I Challenging that one's life. not ringing a bell. Well, we'll skip, we'll save that one for last. Maybe I'm wondering if they're, they're mixing that up or if anybody's listening live, like text me or message me, like what that one is to jar my memory. Alien, they gotta be mixing up something. If it comes to you, let me know. I am terrified of aliens. And, uh, the fact that the Pentagon just straight up admitted that they're real, should be more concerning than it is for most people. I don't know if you if you caught that, but yeah, we just like glossed over it. Yeah, they literally right? said we were like, "No, well, like COVID's still here, so like, who cares about that right now? Like, we'll get to the aliens later. They're probably not going to bother us because we have a pandemic going on." It's not even just that. It's just the fact that the the Pentagon said straight up, "We have stuff that's of material not from this Earth." Like, okay, like no one else cares about this please let's continue to worry about uh kanye going for president and all the dumb stuff trump says or anything else but nah not the aliens um well we'll we'll pocket that one in case somebody chimes in gives us a hint on what that's about that was a couple months ago so to be fair for the the og guys um can you tell me about the challenging glenn for pinch 1v1 for power though 
Okay, so this was from, I want to say like 2014. Um, they had this, um, we had the backyard tournament in Chicago and Kelvin and I drove down for it. And um, it was one of those tournaments where, you know, we drew names out of a hat, ranked everybody and then like drew names out of a hat to have sort of even teams. Um, and <laughs> it was a foam tournament. It was fine. Like we all had fun and like you're encouraged, like, Hey, like we were drinking while we were playing. Cause it was just a tournament for fun. And um, like 14 Guinnesses later, um, the, the parties died down. The tournament's over. We're all chilling. And um, I kept just poking Glenn and I'm like, let's go like one V one pinch. Let's go. Let's go. And like, I think he, he probably would have ended me that night. Cause I don't even think I could see straight um, at that point. Um, and I remember Kelvin was like, yeah, you should like, just be careful, like challenging Glenn and stuff like that. Cause I think like, man, he, you know, he takes this stuff like really seriously. And even something like that, I think he would like go a hundred, you know, percent. I was like, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. And like, I just, and every like tournament I see him after that, people would be like, when is it going? When's it happening? And like, to this day, it's never happened. But like, I just kept, we're, we're like two hours post tournament and I'm still just like, let's go, let's go. It's dark. It's pitch black. We're in a hot tub. Come on, Glenn. <laughs> and like, he just, yeah, he, he shrugged it off. I mean, but um, we've joked about it since and still haven't made it happen. Oh man, this has to happen then at some point. I mean, you, the challenge was issued, so. It's true. Yeah. I've. Oh man, beer. Beer and challenges, those those are the best. I was sponsored by Guinness that tournament, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you issued any other alcohol-induced challenges that you're willing to uh, share with us? No, or at least one of the mildest ones. I don't think so. I don't think I've, I don't know. I used to challenge one of my older bosses, former bosses, to feats of strength. And um, on the day I had to deliver, I actually made it. Uh, it was a race. I think it was like maybe about 200 yards over and back. And uh, I won and I was sore for like three days, but mission accomplished. <laughs> so I don't know. Some alcohol and dodgeball players and issuing challenges that just you just wouldn't do under normal circumstances, I guess. But um, I do hope that one day we will see the outcome of this, um, hopefully soon. And uh, I guess good of Glenn for not destroying you because that guy wants to talk about people who don't have off switches. Uh, I think Glenn's one of them. Exactly. That's why, yeah, the next morning I was like, man, I'm glad he declined. But then I, I didn't let it go. Like I said, every tournament, even sober after that, I was like, let's, let's roll, Glenn. Come on. Yeah, to own up to it. Yeah. It was funny. So, well, Felix uh, chimed in. Uh, I think he was trolling with the alien abduction story. So he got us both. And if that's if that's the case, then well, well played, Felix. What an a hole. I was, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm very much terrified of the Greys. I don't know why. I just had this unnatural fear of them and so it's kind of like i don't know if i want to talk about that because i'm going to stay up all night if you actually got abducted and can can vouch for that so felix's trolling is on another level so yeah it I mean, really is of course he would do something like that just to get us talking about some stupid story that never actually happened or, or me trying to like remember something and then yeah yeah well played sir um speaking of trolling he also mentioned or they also mentioned games cock game prank on dynasty I don't know if that rings a bell. So, I mean, the first one I think everybody knows about the Dynasty branded uh, like condoms from mm -hmm. Nationals 2018. Um, but last year, Felix like went all 
like CIA agent on us. And like, he figured out where exactly our Airbnb was and like sent us pictures before we got there of our Airbnb. And so now we're like, well, God, he knows where we're all at. Cause Kraken and dynasty, we all stayed at one Airbnb together. And so like, we were all terrified, like, what's he going to do? Um, and I remember Paul was panicking a little bit cause it was in his name. Like whatever you do, like, they better not break anything or whatever. And Felix was like, Oh, don't worry. Like you have assurances. We all like Paul, like we're not going to damage anything and stuff, but you know, you'll see, you'll see. And it ended up just being like this big mental mind, you know, trying not to swear. On I the appreciate podcast, you catching you the, uh, the F-bomb there. Yeah. But you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. so like, it was just like a, a psychological thing where like the whole time we had like, you know, our, our, we're looking over our shoulders, even like peacefully sitting at our Airbnb, like after the tournament one day or one night or whatever, we're just like, you know, expecting something to happen. And then it never did. And that was their whole thing was just like making us think and making us paranoid for four days. Freaking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I love the one where it was the, uh, last year's was the last or 2018. It was basically, um, they had pranked, uh, what's his face? Kevin Bailey. They said it was his birthday on the plane. Oh, on the flight home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was really good too. Oh man. There's, there's footage of that in case anybody wants to know on, uh, this week in American dodgeball, we did like a, just for fun type of like sports center recap. And we had that segment as narrated by Felix, which is perfect. So I know I always say this, I'll drop it in the comments, but if I remember, I'll drop it in the comments. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll save the curveball for later because that's the next one I've got teed up. But for now, we will just go into Markel Stokes' question, which is, um, we'll just make this a singular one. So what was the hardest game to ref so far? So I don't have a singular game, but that that's kind of an easy one to answer. Um, they Dodgeball Nation, when they were still um, an organization, hosted oh, a 20K tournament uh, in Detroit. They needed refs, and that was right when I was like starting to get into dodgeball and like wanted to take it to the next level. And I ended up volunteering to ref. Um, I mean, it was a paid gig. So, and I was going to be on the East side of the state anyway. Um, and just roughing that whole tournament. Cause I was very green still. Like I hadn't really played competitive dodgeball. I played like a year of rec league. Um, and then to go to a tournament with that much on the line and, and ref was pretty stressful. I mean, I remember I was getting like yelled at game one of round Robin. And I was just like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. And, uh, and it just, you know, I, it got better as the day went on, but like refing the finals, which went to a game seven doom versus fluorescence, like came down to like a two on one that then swung the other way on a catch for one of dooms players. Like it was just stressful knowing what was on the line and knowing like how new I was at the sport. And, and that was my first experience of refing where it's like, yeah, people aren't afraid to, to give you the business. So dang. I try to think of my most stressful refing moment. And that was the NDL and it was 10, it was three K on the line. I couldn't imagine. So was it 20 K got the entire for first place. They got the entire 20 K or that was well, second and third did get prizes, but the 20 K was for the, for first place. I think it was 20 K. I don't think it was 25. Um, Jeez. But yeah, that's a, that's one thing I'm going to make a little note because that's a dodgeball nation is something we don't really talk about much on the podcast it's mentioned in briefly but that is a whole nother um 
entity that was really pushing dodgeball for a while and kind of showing the world that there's more to there's more competent dodgeball out there versus the NDL. Um, so thanks for that little side note there. Um, man, I don't, I don't envy you, especially, I think it's doom, but like when, when the competition's that high, you really can't, uh, you can't screw up, especially if there's that much money on the line. Good Lord. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, Mark says Ravi, uh, from Canada. It, we're cool now. We're friends. We've talked to tournaments since like I made a bad call on him and I can admit it now. Like, um, ball bounced in front of him. I was kind of behind him on an angle a little bit and called him out anyway. And, uh, he let me have it for the rest of the day pretty much. Uh, so, um, that was, he was like in a one V four, one V three against pow. Um, and I ended up calling him out and I was definitely in the wrong and just like this freaking guy, like leave me alone and just let it go. I, I, I ended up being wrong. I mean, I know I, after the fact there were people like on the other side of the court, like pointing their finger at the ground and stuff, but like, I was like, stick to your call. You have to stick to your call. You can't be pressured into changing it. So that was like my first lesson in that. Yeah. I mean, try being in your shoes. Like that's refing is tough. It's hard enough as it is just even on a rec level, people get all crazy. Can't imagine there's 20 K on the line. You just gotta ride around. You just gotta make that call and stick with it. Unless there's, were there other people to help you out or was it just you by yourself? <laughs> No, we definitely, um, well, we had two guys on every court and then for the finals and stuff, we, um, air quotes, like staffed up, we had like three, four people right. helping out. Um, so that one was really unique. It was like played in a cage. Um, so it was kind of, some things were hard to tell if like somebody was in the corner and the ball, like skimmed the cage before it hit them, like think ticky tack, things like that were tough, but, um, it, it was a really fun experience, uh, to see that dodgeball at that level when you're just starting to like want to get into it more and, and you think you're kind of good. And then you see a team like doom and you're like, man, you suck. <laughs> and when I say, I mean me, not them. Like, you know, I thought I was okay at the time. And then I was like, I, I got a lot to learn. Yeah. They were, they were something else. Um, still, even, even the players that still play are, are pretty, pretty gnarly. Um, so my comment was more of a reminder to discuss this and I'm still trying to figure out where to put it. I'm just going to save it towards the end. Okay. So that's what that comment, basically I asked, what about the dynasty comment made you want to move this up? So, uh, good job. Pass Damon. Gotcha. Um, these will be fun. So Felix Peroni, speaking of trolls, uh, he asks this crazy question of, would you rather eat 17 bananas at the morning of a dodgeball tournament or, drink nothing but hot RC cola from the time you get to the gym in the morning to the time you leave the gym at night. So the fact that he'd said hot, like he thinks of everything with these situations. Yeah. I like RC cola. I think it's underrated as a cola. Um, but I'm going with 17 bananas. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that gives me enough energy and enough potassium to where I'm not going to cramp. Like I'm, I, I definitely got to try to choke down 17 bananas. Yeah, he doesn't say like you have to eat them all. You know, you could expand that morning, you know, a banana every 10 minutes. I think I'd be able to space them out. Like I said, I can't ever sleep before a tournament anyway. So I think I'd have like three hours to to space them out before the tournament even started. Yeah. The so the way we play nowadays, all day dodgeball tournament, drinking nothing but hot RC cold, you're, you're going to die. Like you're just going <laughs> to, you're going to pass up kidney stones by, by the night's end. Um, yeah, I guess that wasn't that bad. Um, freaking Felix and then Sergio alone asked who hurt you. Um, I don't think anybody hurt Felix. I think he's just 
That's just what he does. He, that's his element. Let's see. Markel Stokes asks, what is your tournament ritual? What do you do before tournament? You tape courts, kind of cover that. You also don't sleep. Um, you do try to steal away when you can. Um, let's see. I'm also reading off the actual Facebook thread in case you I'll scroll yep, up there. Yeah, I can like, see that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Felix Peroni asks, do you think you could do it without Colin O'Brien? What does that mean? So when Glenn transitioned over to the West and then the um, Colin and I took over the North running here, um, it was like a two-man team. Uh, so I I, I want to say yes, but if I'm being honest, probably not. Um, Colin does a lot. Like, you know, him and Mark, he – when we came on board, like I definitely took over more of like the day to day stuff. So that's why I want to say like, yes, but Colin was always working with Mark on all the big picture things. And also he came up with like the whole scheduling program and stuff. And that's why as soon as I, you know, knew I'd be transitioning into that role, I was like, well, I, you know, I want Colin to be a part of this too. And I think he was already tracking towards that without me saying anything. So it just made it that much easier because he had come up with like the, the whole scheduling and stuff. And that made it so much easier for us um so i'd say like yes but it'd be super hard gotcha when he says it um that means what run the north i'm guessing that's what he means that that's the way i interpreted it um (laughs) so that's the way i answered it (laughs) fair enough i guess a side shout out to uh to colin there for being being helpful um hunter ford asks how much did you receive royalties from the seattle hockey team i don't don't our lawyers really screwed us on this one um, oh duh okay i got yeah, it the new kraken right yeah yep okay yeah we don't get i'm hoping we you know maybe <laughs> we try to work with their social media people we get get them on board with the air stumpo brand and we kind of collaborate maybe we, we get kraken flown out there and put in a box for a game that'd be kind of cool yeah, i wonder um yeah i don't i don't think you guys have any we grounds blew it to by on. not trademarking it yeah they, they got the money yeah Oh, well, um, I mean, if you get their attention, you know, bad press is, is good press, I guess for dodgeball anyway. Um, Jeremy Bizzle asks, what is the hardest hit you have ever taken or seen? So what's the hardest hit you've ever taken? First of all, I don't want to do this. I don't want to answer this question because I don't want to give credit to the hole, but it was probably the hit that Kevin put on me at nationals this past year. The one that I alluded to earlier that I got turned into a gift for. Um, yeah, he blew my ass up in the chest. <laughs> is this uh, is this what... So on, on the thread, Collins just says, I can answer this one. It, that's that gif. Um, and I feel like I joked with Bizzle about... Because I, I was like, I think Bizzle knows that... Um, like one, I feel like his coming out tournament um, as like, oh crap, like Bizzle's like... <laughs> better than we better than I remember um, was at round two in 2017. And, and I know it especially opened my eyes because Bizzle like destroyed me with a throw. Um, and I was just like, Holy crap. I didn't know he threw that hard. And um, so Bizzle's is probably second, <laughs> but it, unfortunately it's Kevin's. Um, and uh, <laughs> otherwise, if it ain't Kevin's, because that's the hardest, the worst hit I ever took was unfortunately round one, 2016, Marshall Winterbotham just about blinded. Um, he had just made a catch. And I remember I tried to, like, I had two balls and I threw a ball to my teammate, but I turned to like, look at my teammate to make sure it got there. And 
I never got my face turned back around and all of a sudden I was just, I got blasted in the eye hmm. by a pinch that was in pinch too. Um, and it like knocked my contact out and I had to sit out like the next like three matches. Cause I, my eye was so swelled. I couldn't get my contact back in. Jeez. Marshall, uh, Winterbotham, that guy's nice guy. I, I can't see him causing pain for anybody, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and not to, I don't know if he hulked up on that throw or what, I don't know, <laughs> but Jesus, there's a side to him. We, we didn't know maybe, um, better watch that guy. I love how the video got nine reactions. Um, yeah, the gif of Kevin did. So it got more like reactions than the actual comments. I think so. Um, and I just see you fly across the screen. So that's, uh, yikes. Uh, <laughs> I was backpedaling as it is. I guess that's fair. I, I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't say you were flying across the screen. I just. Yeah, jeez, come on. Let's not give Kevin that much credit. I saw what I saw. Um, let's see. <laughs> Jeremy Vizzle says, uh, "Jesus Christ." Um, you say, "Man, if you pretty funny exchange going on." You see, apparently, if you look hard enough, you can see Miles saying, "Oh crap!" or "Oh, that's a yeah. word on the court." his reaction because everybody kind of saw it and was like well it, like mark akam in the nationals recap podcast i mean he talked specifically about that hit um because of how hard it it was and that's that goes back to my you know kitty games down the street you know that's why i i think pinch like those are the hits that people want to see i mean i don't want to see myself on the that end of it again but if a crowd was there that's the kind of hit that to end a point that makes the crowd go ooh or ah and like you know yeah, that's what people want to see, man. I remember um, it was an elite practice, and Andrew Ketchum lit up Mark Acom just practice, like you know, no nothing on the line, and uh, that thing, I think, not only made its rounds, but made it to the Huff Huffington Post. I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, sorry, Mark, but people want to see that, and I, I think oh, Mark knows yeah. that too. And that was a long yeah, time that, ago. That was like one of the first. That was like the first brutal headshot video. Yep. Um, and yeah, that thing. I don't know if it quite went viral, but you know, going viral now is different than it was back, back in then. like 2013, 2014, whenever that was. But yeah, that, that, that shot. It was gnarly. And, but it circulated for a reason. And people, you know, the comments like, Oh man, what a, what a hard hit. Or I, I could, I could catch that ball or, you know, just whatever threads and comments galore. But uh, <laughs> yeah, people I, were like, well, why didn't he try to move? It's like, dude, that was a 70 mile an hour like, throw from 20 feet, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, what do you mean? You think Mark was just like, oh, yes, I will catch this with my face. I, there's nothing I can do. Um, just don't have time to think about that stuff. Why didn't he move? Um, so this is a good good question. This might actually help expedite the ending. So Felix Peroni says, genuine question. How much longer do you think you'll be playing? Has your body started to give up on you? I'm only a few years behind you, so I'm curious when I can expect my own retirement from the game. Oh boy. That's a question I've been asking myself a lot more lately, especially now because we're not, we're not playing. So, you know, you wonder like, okay, well, next year is pretty far away still. What's it going to look like? Or, you know, from a fitness, just overall health perspective, about to be 35 in a couple months, I still feel good. I still feel like I could play for a couple more years. So um, I think I'm probably taking care of my body better than I did when I first started playing, honestly. Um, so, you know, like I said, I think me not playing baseball growing up has kept my shoulder wear and tear to a minimum. So 
I always joke and say, yeah, I'm 35, but my shoulder's only 25. And hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it just kind of happens fast where like the athleticism or the, the, the you know, youthfulness just kind of drains overnight for some people. I hope that's not for me, but I, I still feel like I could go for another five years at least. Nice. I mean, see if the, the lifestyle or, you know, I mean, if life dictates that I don't go for five more years, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. It's kind of hard when you can't access a gym right now or play. Um, I feel like oh, my gym's open. Well, it must be nice. <laughs> Arizona is killing it right now with COVID. We're just, we just love, we love us our COVID. So, but, um, I mean, it, it's hard. It's like, if you're not constantly playing, you know, the body, I just, I feel like it would just age faster versus, um, being able to play a couple times a week. And like you said, you kind of have to take better care of yourself the older you get versus, you know, being able to just recover like it's nothing in your early twenties. Um, I mean, be... this layoff for some of us that, you know, we've been forced to take a little bit of a break and it might be the best thing that's happened to our shoulders in a long time, you know, you know, um, I mean, I'll probably start throw. I really honestly haven't thrown since March. Anything and I think that's probably a good thing. It'll just take a little while to build, you know, what little arm strength I had back up. <laughs> um, but I think taking that long off could actually be a good thing for some of us, you know, to extend our careers from it, it's, it's almost like a running back who, you know, like Le'Veon Bell took a whole year off and, and came back. Um, didn't put up great stats, but he played on not a great team. Um, you know, but I feel like, okay, this maybe extends it, you know, obviously none of us are getting younger, but healing up a bit i think yeah that's actually uh that's a good way to put it that's a much better way to look at it than uh this sucks it's glass half full kind of thing right um shadi drakeford just mentioned the comments uh felix aren't you a few years behind him you're in your 30s he's in his 40s tony's showing us the blueprint of youthfulness um i'm glad you said you're 35 I was like there's no way you're 40 no not possible 34 i'm not even 35 yet let's not push it Come oh on. geez no, you got plenty of time <laughs> Let's see. Felix asks, who is more of a little brother to you? Is it Kevin Bailey or Austin Morley? Oh, man. Well, they're a package deal, aren't they? Apparently. I mean, if they weren't a package deal, Pony Kukoc might still exist. Um, no, I. Uh, if I have to pick one, it's probably Austin because Austin lives on this side of the state and I hang out with him a lot more, which... Dang. The fact, I mean, a few years ago when I first met those two, I didn't think I'd ever hang out with them. I, you know, funny how that works out. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Kevin. Can't be the favorite. There can be only one. My wife likes Austin better too, so he's got the leg up there. No, yeah, can't beat that. Um, Hunter asks, really stated the next pair of Aristumpos. So, is there a story behind that, or you got to talk to my PR team on that one? <laughs> Fair enough. No, we don't. I'm sure there'll be new ones. I, are you familiar with the air stump? No, I was just going to ask, uh, is there something? A rock? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I have a pair of gray New Balance shoes, and at first they were called the Dad 2.0s, um, and then they just kind of took on a life of their own, and now like, I'm, I've become synonymous with New Balance in the dodgeball community. That's <laughs> Kevin made a whole post about it in Dodgeball Family, tagged the shoe, and Kevin's head of PR for me. Oh man, you guys are ridiculous. Um, Alex Watkins asks, "Have you put the cornhole trophy on your mantle yet?" And and I tagged a picture. I'm right, I did. 
a cornhole. Is that pretty big over there or? Yeah. Alex's family had a cornhole tournament last weekend. He invited me over to it and, uh, we did a big double elimination tournament and I ended up winning it. Um, beat his dad on his home turf. That's And so I got the, I got the cool trophy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, do you need any other reason to, to showcase that? So being somebody's own dad in his own home turf, that's awesome. Um, Sam Hutter just made the comment. This is my most anticipated interview. Hopefully we don't let you down, Sam. Uh, it's been fun so far. Let's see. Kevin said, oh my, that's when I realized I might've messed up. Um, cause that's when the questions just started pouring in. Kevin asks, uh, favorite attraction at Disney world or land? Probably it's a toss up between space mountain and expedition Everest. Both great roller coasters. I'm assuming Everest is world. They're both actually, well, there's a space mountain at Disneyland and Disney world right. expedition Everest is at animal kingdom. So, yeah. <laughs> animal kingdom is, is world though, right? Yes. Okay. Yep, I was like, Florida. It's like, I've never heard of that one. Space Mountain's great. Um, love that one. Let's see. Shadid, how much of your retirement money goes to Disney? <laughs> I fully funded my Roth for 2019 and 2020, so none. <laughs> but a lot of my discretionary income goes towards that. We'll leave it at that. Fair enough. Let's see. This should be a good one. Um, maybe. Catch them asks uh do you see college dodgeball ever changing to a play style that eases the transition into the next level um next level being usa tour worlds whatever your next level is uh i don't think they have to um i guess the short answer is no because they're they've been a longer established league um i'd like to see the two leagues kind of meet in the middle we talked about my what I thought was kind of my ideal thing, um, where it's like a slightly smaller court than NCDA, bigger than you know, elite or worlds. Um, and so I'd like to see them both kind of migrate towards a more uniform game. Um, I think that's kind of what we're lacking in dodgeball right now, right? Um, you know, even there's a lot of different, they don't all have to be exactly the same. You know, college basketball has slightly different rules than the NBA, college football, NFL. You know, that's all fine. It's still, at the end of the day, the same game. Um, I think some of these different formats between Elite, between Worlds, between uh, NCDA, they're just all so far apart. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily the NCDA that has to change. It's like they're a giant member organization. Geographically, they're they're in maybe a smaller part because you could say, you know, elite, the premier league technically covers the entire country. You know, we've got North, all the four regions, but the NCDA has got so many members um, and they're still trying to grow it. Um, and they, I think have a bigger chance to grow than we do. Um, you know, we being the premier league elite. So, I mean, do I see them changing? Not necessarily. Um, but I also don't think that they like they have to do it alone. I think all the leagues should try to get better, and and I think not I get better was the wrong term, but like get get closer to uniform, and hopefully with one governing body uh, over everybody. Maybe maybe that is what starts to get that. Right. Like I said, I don't I don't think they have to be the same, uh, but making it closer to make the transition easier, like Ketchum said, you know, eases the transition. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I think there's an expectation that 
the NCDA will naturally conform to Elite or Premier. And that's one thing that I just don't feel is... I was in the and same boat. been around longer, so I'm not sure why, you know, why can't it go the other way, you know? So it, it shocks me to this day, like how, I don't say underrated, but how unknown or unappreciated the NCDA really is. Um, I, I'd been following it since 2006 because I thought the fact that you guys were put on, I think it was like FX, FS Sports um, broadcasting this stuff. I, I thought that was incredible. And I was really sad that, you know, NCDA hadn't made it all the way out to, to Arizona yet. But it, it's a massive entity, and it's, it just has, in my opinion, a system that works really well. And for elite to spring up after the fact, and then expect this massive body of people to transition over to elite on paper, that would make sense from you know our perspective. But it, it's hard. Like we kind of talked about earlier, where you know it's really hard to just expect you know all these players to just kind of ditch what they know and play in something completely different. So, yep, I think. Um, I, I, after talking, especially like, you know, with Felix Moore, Jacob Moore, Kevin, all them, it, it's just, like you said, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't just be NCDA that does the, the conforming here. It, it's, it's got to come from both sides. And I think more towards the, uh, the premier side, just, uh, an observation there. But, um, Paul Hillebrand asks, are you a great dodgeball player or the greatest dodgeballer? Well, if I'm answering, honestly, probably neither, Mm. you know, I'm just, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm a role player. I know, I know what I am. I know what I add. So. So you're humble as well. That's how I took that one. I too am extremely (laughs) humble. Yeah. Yeah. Jax. Um, sorry. Vanilla answer like that's not going to get the ratings. I should have, and well, we might have to cut that and post. I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got the time step just in case, but uh, I think we'll let it go. Um, Hunter Ford asks, has Wesley Peters successfully radicalized you? Boy, he's trying. He says I we think. are working on what, what does that mean? Um, Wes is a phenomenal follow on Twitter. Um, I think it, it this is in a political sense that he's trying to <laughs> shift me more to his side. Um, oh, I see. I consider myself pretty centered and I don't want to get into this whole thing, but yeah. So he, he has not quite, quite radicalized me, but you know, progress, right? Sure. Um, oh man, I'm fighting the urge to, to pry on that one. Maybe I'll follow him on Instagram and we can touch base another time. <laughs> uh, let's see. Now, Wes isn't the one you want to follow on Instagram. Well, no, he, he's got, yeah, no, his Twitter this Twitter's fun at times, though. I'm still slow to anyway. end the, the Twitter, the Twitter thing, but um, probably should do that more, especially with the at least for the Dodgeball Podcast handle. But um, so Hunter Ford, we kind of covered this question, but I just wanted to let them know that we we did address it earlier, and that was um, if you're building your own pro league from scratch, what are some of the big rules formatting you'd have in place? Um, so if you missed that one, just go back earlier to. I guess depending on how this is, if you're listening to the segment of this, go to the full interview towards the beginning. Uh, you cover that one. For let's see, I'd probably course. get rid of co-ed too, if I'm being honest. Oh, now we got to go there. Uh, explain. Oh, I went there. Um, I just i I don't think there's a place for it. I don't like it. I don't. Um, you know, we we've been called the only true co-ed sport, and I think that's just forced. Um, 
if I'm building like the biggest and best league, I, I'm going to have like a men's league and a women's league, and they're going to be the best at each of their respective leagues, you know, but I don't think that there's reason to force them together. Um, I just, it's, it's never, I've never played it really. Um, and so people be like, well, see, you've never played it. You don't really have an opinion on it, but I've watched enough of it and watched the way that those games play out sometimes and how honestly, you know, with the old four, two format, we haven't really gotten into the three, three yet. Um, and I, maybe that changes it for the better. That was our hope. Um, obviously we, we don't actually get to see that in practice yet, but, um, it, it was a, for the most part, it was like a four on two game or I mean, sorry, four on four until the men were gone. And then it just turned into, you know, and I don't know, I, I would sit there and watch and I was like, is this fun for everybody involved? Like it, not everybody's even getting involved in the game. I would be bored. Um, it, you know, a lot of people are going to have hurt feelings over that and, you know, but there, there's just a different level of, I'm sorry, there's a different level of men versus women there. And so I just, I don't think that co-ed needs to be forced and I don't think it's necessary. I think you want all the best men playing against the best men and you want all the best women playing against the, the best women and you leave it at that. Hmm. It's funny you said like, well, I don't really have that much of experience and that's why people are going to maybe pick that apart. So I won't, um, I've at least taken the time to sit there and, and like watch it. And I've watched the high level games at nationals when we get down to the final few teams and stuff. And it's like, it, it, it's like there's, it's a team of two versus a team of two and a team of four against a team of four on the same court. Basically it turns into like, um, you know, and part of it was we wanted it to feel more equal and we wanted like the women to get more involved. And we thought, you know, three on three, and then you immediately had detractors saying, well, you think that's going to change it? No, it's just going to be like the three men are going to take all the balls early now. And that's just how that's going to be instead of four, it's now it's three. And I just remember like watching some teams where it's like, there'll be four players left on one side, two men, two women, that side will have four balls. Each guy takes two balls a piece and the women are just sitting back there. And I'm like, it looks bad for the sport. Like maybe that's their strategy and everybody's okay with it. And, you know, I hope that, but from my observation, I'm like, is that fun for them? Is that like, are they feeling involved? Is this how, you know, and like I said, people probably get upset with me for saying that, or, or it might come off as misogynist, but you got like, this is somebody who's watching it from a spectator standpoint and saying like, look how bad this looks. Right. So, you know, maybe I'd feel different if I played it. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out next year. Probably not. <laughs> well, devil's advocate, and I, because I'm trying to look at it through your point of view, because again, very West Coast bias. We have a ton of very competitive women players that co ed is huge here. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, it's a no brainer to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's just as fun as playing any other division. Um, trying to see it through your side though because there are you know women players that get tossed to the wayside some are still kind of just there because they're the gender requirement and if you're looking at this purely from a spectator appeal now you're kind of taking out foam because in your opinion you want people to get cracked you know you hit really hard keep the 8.5 balls in and you even said earlier you know you want you would like to speed up the way the NCAA is played so that there's just more action. When you have people sitting, camping out in the back line, waiting for a catch, 
or waiting to retrieve a ball and give it to their throwers. Um, I can kind of see where you're coming from. And it's not really a cop-out, but it's going to sound like one. I, I would think just in the for the sake of time, we might just leave it at that. Um, I don't want to challenge fine. it too much. Like I said, that's my, you know, because this question came from your ideal league and your, you know, if I'm starting a league that I want to become like the NFL of dodgeball, I want it to be the tops. I think you have men's, you have women's. It's like NBA, WNBA, rec league, lower tier leagues, things like that. Fine. Have it. That's okay. But, you know, I mean, we have rec leagues, plenty of rec leagues all over the country, co-ed dodgeball, co-ed softball, co-ed kickball, co-ed basketball, all that kind of stuff. At the highest level, professional level, where is it like truly mixed like that? Like it's not because there's a different playing field um, and just forcing it together doesn't mean that it's right and it, it's like the best format. So that's just how I feel about that. Yeah. And for usual, if anybody wants to challenge that, I mean... I'll, I'll ask Felix for your address and send the mail there, but, uh, or we'd always talk about it in a separate episode. Um, yeah, that, that, that whole, that whole thing is, I mean, we, we, I've talked about that, you know, with, uh, with Jenny and Amanda trying to pick their brain a little bit, but that's definitely just a whole nother conversation. So to, to kind of, we continue. could probably go in, you could put a panel together and talk for three hours about that. Oh, easily. Um, and we might, if the people want it, um, maybe they want to hear that more over, you know, the hypothetical birthday team, that's playing against each other, but uh, we'll move on to the next question, and that is uh, Felix again. If your career made you move out of the North region, which region would you prefer to move to and play in? Um. Well, I said I, I thought West Coast, but that's just because I would assume that if I'm moving somewhere for my career, it's going to be like Southern California. So, um, so I got to say the West so I can live in SoCal. Fair. Then your co-ed opinion might change. No, I'm just kidding. Nope, uh, they'll have somebody who can help run the tournament because he'll be on the sidelines the entire time for that. Yeah, West Coast, best coast. Um, Shoot, you know what? I just realized I did play co-ed nosting at Nationals in 2018. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. I definitely, like, I had a good time. Uh, everybody contributed because I don't think we were one of those ego teams that was just like, I need to have all the balls because I'm a guy. Um, we were like... No, spread it around and we had fun with it. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, if I'm building my ideal league, it's because it's going to be like the best league in the country. And I'm trying to be on the level of the big four sports. And so I wouldn't see it at that level ever. Yeah, it's fair. Last word on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault for chilling you last second. Um, Hunter Ford asks, what are the secrets to balancing a polygamous relationship between dodgeball and Jen? That's actually, I feel like it's a good question. Alex Watkins says Disney, but how, how do you... He's not wrong. Yeah, how, how do you do that? Um, how do you balance dodgeball and keeping the family happy? Uh, well, I I think my wife has been, uh, you know, very um, understanding and she knows how much I like it and how much I care about it and put into it. So... Um, she kind of just lets me have it. You know what I mean? She's like, that's your thing. That's what you love to do. And if it makes you happy, then it makes me happy that you're happy. So I'm like, great. And you know, she kind of lets me do it. And then, yeah, I spoil her with Disney vacations <laughs> to make up for it. That is not only awesome, but I feel like that's a fair trade off. Um, cause you also benefit from that as well. So well done. Bingo. Um, 
this is a really important one. Um, I'm actually curious now. What are your opinions on pancakes? Elite breakfast food. I skip the butter. I only use syrup. I think putting butter on pancakes is just lame. Wow. I mean, you had me with the co-ed flapjacks and syrup. Oh man, no no butter at all, huh? No butter at all. I mean, if they're made well enough, they don't necessarily need butter. But I mean, yeah, man, they're like good and fluffy, and you know, it's it's all good. Okay, I guess it depends on how well they're made. Fair. Um, Let's see. I don't know if this is a troll. Oh, okay, it was uh, was not. Uh, Alex Watkins, what were your predictions for cracking going into the season? Well, freaking finally, uh, you know, we were returning everybody. So I think we were, you know, we were looking for big things. Um, you know, I think uh, our ceiling, you know, top three in, in both divisions in the North when everything shook out, um, I think we have that good of a team. So. I mean, you guys were always part of the, the discussion in the recaps. So just kind of going off of last year, I think that'd be fair to say we would have seen you maybe top three. I think year two with this roster now, um, like we came together better. Um, so I think, yeah, year two with this group playing together, we could have taken a leap because outside of myself and Paul, we got a pretty young team too. And, and um, collectively, you know, outside of me, Paul and Connor, like the, the three cracking OGs that are left. Like there wasn't a whole lot of elite experience on our team up and down. Um, and we did, you know, we picked up drew mid season and he was a game changer for us. Um, you know, but some of our youngest guys and our newest members collectively didn't have a ton of elite experience and they were only going to get better. So we'll see 20 on to 2021, I guess. Yeah. And kind of like you said earlier, I mean, you have, we've all had a chance to not only save money, pick up, additional skills. I forgot who put that um, post on what I've been doing in the absence of dodgeball, but also healing and hopefully conditioning for 2021. So I guess uh, we'll find out next year. Um, Got to backtrack real quick. Uh, Felix said um, online to tell you that he eats pancakes dry, no syrup, no butter. So this man is something else. Bold. I kind of respect it. Yeah. Not going to mess with that one. That speaks to how, like, he's kind of crazy, right? He's a crazy person. Yeah, so I'm just going to let it go. He eats pancakes dry. Yeah, and considering he figured out where you guys are staying Airbnb-wise, I want to stay on his good side, so I'm not going to touch that one. Um, speaking of Felix, <laughs> I, like, I like this one a lot. Uh, when you can't sleep at 2 a.m., which embarrassing, regrettable moment from your childhood plays through your mind over and over? Well, it's... You know, unlike most people, I think most of the dumb or embarrassing, regrettable moments have happened in adulthood, um, unfortunately. And so there's a myriad of them and just depends. I, I got too many to count that, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night, all of a sudden I'll start thinking about it. And then two hours later, I maybe fall back asleep finally. Yeah, good old insomnia and regrets. Uh, Rebecca Chappelle asks, uh, what's your squatting nowadays? I'll let her know in a couple of weeks at the end of this cycle, I'm in the middle of a cycle and I lost some gains from, from not being able to squat heavy during COVID. Fair. Felix, do you crumple or fold? Crumple. <laughs> Why? What does that mean? What does that mean? Uh, well, he's talking about toilet paper. I'm assuming you, oh. you just crumple, you just waddle it up and crumple it up or do you, you fold it and make a nice square? It's, I just, Pull it off, crap, crumple, go. Oh, you are 
made of chaos, sir. You know what? Listen, everybody says if you crumple, you're going to clog. Well, I don't clog, so we're good. I tempt fate every time. I, you dance a, a thin line. Um, wow. Crumple. Opinion goes up and down with you. It just changes all over the place. <laughs> don't know how to react. Um, and that's why even to preface the interview, like, how do I approach this? I don't know if I called you a monster, but how do I approach Tony? Is it 1v1 or 2v1? But, uh, man. If you're like Glenn, you just don't approach me at all. Uh, <laughs> now we, we had to have this conversation, so. Let's see. I think this is where I was going to... No, not yet. Um, Hunter Ford, is cereal considered a soup? And are hot dogs considered a sandwich? Cereal is not a soup and hot dog is not a sandwich. Fair. Thought I'd stoke Hunter with the, uh, he trying to start a war, but he didn't bite. You need to do a taco pizza thing, weren't you? Yeah. So what is that? What would you choose? Pizza. Hmm. Good man. Tacos are great, but pizza. All right, man. We're almost, we're almost through the, the gauntlet here. Um, Kevin asks to rank your five fast food chains. So I'll probably get tore apart for number one. I'm throwing McDonald's in at number one. I just sometimes, man, it's Mickey D's man. McDonald's burger and French fries is just, it hits differently. Um, I like Arby's, um, Chick-fil-A, uh, White Castle and Taco Bell. McDonald's Arby's low key mentioned Chick-fil-A. What was it then? White Castle? Strictly for the chicken. Strictly, we're, we're totally talking chicken only here. Yep. Now I get my beef with them as well. Uh, what was the fifth one? White Castle. Uh, what was four? I'm sorry. White Castle was four. Okay, fifth. What was the fifth one? Taco Bell. Taco Bell. I haven't had Taco Bell in a long time, but man, I used to get down on some nachos Bell Grande. There is a meme floating out there that says like I once saw a guy getting Taco Bell and I just wanted to ask him hey man whatever you're going through I hope you come out okay and I felt that because in my lowest moments I will get Taco Bell because nothing else can help and uh I hear around the Mickey D's too I mean that's been a staple of our childhood so oh yeah it's got a hold do you have a top five tv shows that Felix would like to know um yeah I should have thought more about this one um so my top five are probably the Office, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, um, Parks and Rec, Saturday Night Live. Hmm. What are your thoughts on SNL? Have they lost their touch? Actually, you know what? Walking Walking Dead would be up there because that's like my one of my all-time favorites. Although I, I have not caught up with the latest season because I got behind and then they weren't available on demand. So it's a whole thing. Hmm. Yeah, they lost me after uh, season 1.5. Uh, I just couldn't, I need, I need to closure. I, I can't hang with seasons that are longer than three or four or, yeah. or shows that are past three or four seasons. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on SNL lately? Uh, you know, I like it. I think this, you know, this happens with every generation, every single generation of SNL says, Oh, this current cast sucks. The old cast was great. You know, it happened in the 90s when Farley Spade, Sandler, 
those guys were on there. They said they sucked and, you know, you know, it wasn't good because um, Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo were gone. And then after those guys left, like at the beginning of like the Farrell, O'Terry, Chris Catan years, Daryl Hammond, like they sucked. And, you know, oh, Farley and those guys were legends. Well, look, look at what Will Farrell's done with his career since then. And he's regarded as one of the best ever. So, you know, every, every current cast while they're on the show is just the worst. And then once they're done, it's like you take for granted what you have. I think SNL is still great. I think they hit, did a really good job during COVID to produce a couple of episodes um, from home. That was really cool. Um, and I think there's there's some talent on the show right now for sure. Yeah. And so I, much of it, I mean, so much of it comes down to the writing anyway. So, you know. There, there have been some skits where I've, I've just lost it. Um I loved Adam Driver when he was on. Um, dude, he's, he might be one of the best hosts. Oh, dude, the, I mean, he, the career day. Career, if you haven't seen this, everybody listening, just go SNL career day on YouTube. It's Adam Driver as an old oil baron. It yeah, is, I was just going to quote that. Oh, man. It, it was literally, it, well, they ranked it even like Watch Mojo had it the number two sketch of the decade for the 2010s. <laughs> like, it was so good. He's such a good host. Look at your father, boy. Look at me. Yeah. That, <laughs> What does an oil baron do? You crush your enemies. Yeah, I can quote that for the rest of the episode, so I won't. But that is a great one. Um, I was going to mention the one where he's a sportscaster and uh, the the car the the Green Bay quarterback got his knees buckled because he got hit so hard. Yeah, I lost it. I was I was crying. I was laughing for a good half hour, just nonstop, and I was just like, I don't know why this is so so dang funny. But um, yeah, anytime Adam drives on, it's it's going to be great. So they, they do have yeah. their, their good ones. A lot of it does come down to the hosts, honestly. Um, there, there's good hosts and bad hosts. Some, some hosts they get, it's like, they're hard to work with. Not that they're like hard to work with, but like they just weren't meant for comedy. And some of the sketches just kind of fall flat. Um, but a good host can really carry an episode. Yeah. One more on SNL. Did you see that? You saw the cake one, right? The Sonic, the Hedgehog demon cake. Uh, with Eddie yes. Murphy. That was like Cake Wars, right? Yeah. Good. Bake Wars. Yeah. God, God, that was... Oh, man. I was thinking about that today, actually. Um, yeah, there's still some good ones. And I, I love I love SNL. It's like one of those things you just... It, you have to have it. Like, we, we can't ever not have that show. It just has to be part of the... In the background. But um, back to the questions. Kevin Bailey asked, if you had to run one mile, eat one hot dog, and drink one beer every hour on the hour, how many hours could you go before collapsing or puking? I feel like five to six, maybe if I just go nice and easy on the run, hot dog really isn't that much beer. If it's a light beer, you know, um, I could still give myself like time to like sip a water in between. I mean, the biggest thing is I'm going to be peeing a lot. Cause I'm going to try to get a water in there, but I'm going to say six tops. Dang. I like how you thought these out. Definitely. Uh, appreciate the, the good sportsmanship here. <laughs> Um, three more, uh, Felix asks, do you believe in ghosts? No. We'll leave it at that. Cause I want to sleep tonight. I'm already going to be thinking about aliens. Um, Kevin Bailey, who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, he wants to mention that you're so old. He probably has never heard of them, but regardless, he's curious. Alicia Silverstone. That's fair. Oh yeah. Clueless. And she was in the, uh, Aerosmith video. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Batgirl. 
Batwoman. Yep. Yep. She was the one for me in the nineties. Lucky girl. Um, all right. So Kevin Bailey had asked me to, um, he says I'd been requested by a few individuals to send this to me privately. I asked if I could sort him or, um, cite him. He said, yes. So usually when people ask me anonymous questions, I, I honor it. So, um, unless they say otherwise, but he asks, um, which of your cracking teammates do you predict will be the next to leave you to join dynasty? What a dick. (laughs) Oh, none, none. They're with us. Oh man. Um, well, Kevin, I blindsided him. Kevin, (laughs) you're welcome, Kevin. So that wraps up the, uh, the crowdsource questions. Um, definitely pushing past the hour 30 mark, uh, for those of you that are listening to the full episode. So kind of want to go back to, um, the, the comment I made about, um, I had noticed that you posted, um, something along the lines of, of shaking anxiety. And, um, before I kind of go into what I wanted to talk about, you good with elaborating on that a little bit? Yeah, I can do that. Um, this is, this is the one part I was kind of dreading a little bit. Um, but you know, sometimes just, you know, things can be therapeutic. Um, it's actually funny. So this comment was like the second one. Um, cause I had made a comment a couple weeks before, probably a couple months before that. And I was like, Oh, Hey, like anxiety is cool. Cause like sometimes people get anxiety and it's like in their chest, you know, and like you can kind of feel it and it's weird. It's different for everybody else. Right. And this was right when like COVID was like, Hey guys, this is a real thing. And like, it's kind of dangerous and this and that. And so then I would like feel it in my chest and it'd be like tight. And then I'm like, Oh God, it's a respiratory virus. Like, Oh God, I can't like, shoot. What if I have it? Like, and then I'm just like, no, well now you're just getting in your own head. Cause you were anxious about something else. And now you're thinking about that. And so then it compounded. So like at this point I was like, yeah, that's, that has nothing to do with it. Like I'm good. Like it's not going to feel like this if I, I'm COVID positive or something and the anxiety like has nothing to do with that. So, um, Ooh. Um, okay. So I know people have like reached out at times when I have made posts and like, then I kind of regret the post because I feel like, um, mine is a little different and I know what causes it and I know that I can fix it. And a lot of people struggle with it and can't, it's not, there's not an easy solution or way for them to handle it, but mine kind of revolves a lot around, um, alcohol. Hmm. <laughs> you probably didn't expect that turn with this. Um, I just like sometimes, uh, boy, I'm making, I'm being a little more vulnerable than I wanted to be. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I like to have a good time and sometimes I have too much of a good time, probably more often than not, probably more often than I should. And then I always wake up the next day and it'll carry into Monday and Tuesday. Um, I'm always like, you know, boy, what did I do stupid this weekend that I can't remember because I went over the line? Who did I upset? Which friend did I offend? Um, And honestly, that anxiety from like a Saturday night will like carry all the way through like a Tuesday. And I think I made this post on like a random Tuesday when I was like, I didn't even do anything this weekend. Like, everything's fine, but I can't shake this anxiety feeling like I did something wrong or whatever. And it, it all kind of stems from just probably, um, probably that, you know? Um, and so it's like, you know, it's not real anxiety. It's like, 
it's all self-inflicted and it's like, I know how I could easily fix it. Just don't do what you do on the weekends. It'll go away. You went almost two years without that feeling. So do it again. Right. Um, and I don't know, like a friend joked with me and was like, why put it on Facebook? It, you know, you should tweet it. And he's like, if you put it on Facebook, it sounds like a cry for help. And I'm like, well, what, what is it if you tweet it? And he's like, I don't know, screaming into the void. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that would be better actually. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like, you know, the anxiety is kind of like self-inflicted and, and like, I almost feel bad talking about that. Cause I know there's people that like really struggle with it and, and don't know how they're going to fix it the next time and have to go through, exercises and different things like that. And for me, it's like, Hey, maybe put the bottle down and you wouldn't feel that way. Gotcha. <clears throat> it's interesting you bring up the alcohol cause, um, I don't want to say in the same way, but I definitely can be. And that, that after drinking anxiety is, is real. And that's something I realized, um, a couple of years ago, once I, you know, got past 30, uh, we would drive from, Tucson to Phoenix dodgeball to go play. And I just remember driving home after playing after, you know, sweating and being active and all this other stuff. And I would just be like, man, I feel just very bad right now. Like I, I, for a while I just thought it was like the crash. Like if there's such a thing as a post dodgeball crash, like I don't know if you ever get that. Oh yeah. So I used to think it was that. And then I would just assume alcohol had nothing to do with it. And I would try, okay, maybe just don't drink. And I would still have that post dodgeball crash. I even had it this past weekend. And, you know, obviously if you're hungover, it's going to amplify any feelings of, I don't know, I don't want to say remorse, but for me, it was, it was interesting seeing this come from you. Obviously I don't know you that well, um, you know, by association of dodgeball, um, mm -hmm. from my, from my perspective, you know, you seem like a, a very, I don't want to say cherished. That sounds cheesy, but you sound like somebody that people really like, um, you guys ragging on each other. You got a, a good, Again, this is all based on social media, but it seemed to have like a pretty good following and a group, good group of guys to, that are around. So when I saw you posting stuff like that, I was like, huh, that kind of, I don't say it makes me feel normal, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, man, it, it we don't know what other people are going through. And to your, to your comments of saying, you know, you're not necessarily doing a cry for help. It still was cool seeing, again, this is my perspective. Your, your friends kind of rushing to your aid there just by saying, yeah, please make fun of us. Um, <laughs> I really thought that was cool. Um, making fun of Kevin is very therapeutic. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure he enjoys, as, as we saw through this entire thread, um, even the last question that he had, the secret surprise one, um, at the end of the day, it feels like, you know, you got a good group of guys that will have your back regardless of, um, you know, what you're going through. So I kind of wanted just to speak to that lightly. Um, I just saw that. I was like, Oh man, I, I really want to talk about that actually. Um, I'm sure there's, yeah, and that's, you know, like you said, you, you know, that's kind of part of it is like, you're like, Oh, you seem like people like you and stuff. And, and so much, you know, I care so much about what people think about me and it, almost to a fault sometimes. And, um, I feel like most negative opinions that if people have formed one about me are probably centered around that, like, you know, things I've done and, and stuff. So then, you know, once you've done it, you're afraid to do it again. And, and that's where that anxiety comes from. And, you know, um, so that's just kind of, that's just kind of how that works for me. But <laughs> yeah, the, um, so I was talking to, to Brad about it. Again, this is a conversation we had seven years ago on the way back home. I was like, dude, I, I just don't feel good. Like I thought this was 
like I said, the post dodgeball crash, he's like, well, you know, alcohol tends to amplify, you know, the negative feelings and being anxious is one of them. And, um, I don't know. I, I've had my spells. Like I can't kind of like we said, like I've had run-ins with anxiety. Like sometimes, uh, since you, I'll go ahead and kind of meet you halfway here. There's sometimes I just can't get out of bed on Sundays. Like I just refuse to just face the day. And it's weird because I'm very high functioning, not sound like a douchebag, but I got a lot of stuff going on stuff to get yeah. me out of bed. And just sometimes I just don't want to. And, um, I've tried, okay, maybe it's cause I had a few beers that, that last night or maybe cause I'm tired or let's just go on a three day or 30 day, three month, you know, um, dry spell. Let's just be sober for six months. However, like I've, I've gone back and forth. I'm um, just trying to figure out what the problem is. And just sometimes man, I just get inside my own, my own brain and I want nothing to do with the outside world. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of cool talking to somebody else about it, but I joined, um, anxiety group on Facebook just to see like, is what I'm going through normal? Do the people experience this stuff? And, um, the horrible say, way to say it, but you know, like that misery loves company. It, it's cool yeah. seeing other people go through certain stuff. And also people on Facebook that you don't even know, like reaching out to you. Um, there's people that te- definitely hundred percent milk it, but there are some people that they, if they didn't have this group, they, they probably would be in a really bad spot. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to flash on that, onto that a little bit, but, um, man, we're just all over the place, Tony, talking about my greatest fears, talking about stuff I don't normally talk about, uh, all kinds of, all kinds of rabbit holes we're going through, you know, so. Yeah. Well, let's go back to dodgeball. Um, no, but I appreciate you being, uh, sharing that because that's, if, if for anything else, for, for personal selfish reasons, I, I do feel a little bit more normal knowing that, uh, people go through this people you wouldn't expect, but, um, back to dodgeball, um, try to end this on a, on a high note. Um, what do you want to achieve in dodgeball? So I guess, you know, on the court, I'd like to, to get in the winner's circle one more time. Um, it's as competitive as it's ever been and it's never going to be less competitive or just getting better players and better athletes. Um, you know, but having been part of like the elite board and then the competition committee for USA dodgeball and stuff, like, I just want to leave, leave the sport in a better spot. Um, you know, we keep saying we want to legitimize the sport. We're trying to grow the sport. We, we want these pro leagues and and then also grow leagues at a rec level and a, and a youth level. And, you know, I hope I'm part of that, you know, but before I'm done in, in the admin role and the, on the court role that, you know, we've, uh, we've put dodgeball in a better spot overall. Nice. Kind of goes to, I, uh, uh oh, good. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, I, I joked one time I posted, a a status or something. And it was like, I don't have the be I don't have to be the greatest. I just want to be remembered. So that's it. You know, that's nice. Cheesy response. Yeah, that's nice. No, that that's uh, <laughs> I was kind of mulling it over because that that's. I, I was gonna say it reminds me of your comment earlier where you had said you know you played the first elite and you just did terrible and you didn't want to be remembered like that. But to kind of over the course of these years get to a point where you're like, yeah, you want to be in the winner's circle. Yeah, you want to leave the sport better than you found it, but you just want to be remembered. Um, you don't necessarily have to be number one. That's pretty cool, man. Thanks. <laughs> um. What's your favorite dodgeball memory to date? So there's probably, I want to say there's probably two. Um, 
2016 round three, um, Kraken swept the North. Um, we won pinch and open, and that was pretty friggin' awesome. Uh, just had everything working for us at that tournament. Um, and that was also, <laughs> that was, um, that was when Tony time became a thing actually. So like on a personal level that at that point, that was like my personally, my best tournament. So I felt like, you know, I was still, you know, at the, the bottom of the roster for the most part. Um, but I definitely outplayed my spot on the roster. You know what I mean? I played above my, my pay grade for that day right? and we swept. I'm not saying it's because of me. I still, you know, it was because of the, the great players that I played with then, but that was awesome. Um, and then in that same year, uh, 2016 was really a banner year for us, but earlier that year we got second at the Detroit cup. And I know people are probably like celebrating second in tournament. Cool. Um, you know, we, we beat some really great teams. Um, we swept pow, we swept super best friends and that was a really good super best friends team. Um, and the only team we lost to, it was in the finals and it was the world's team from the year before they decided to come out. So, you know, you had, pie in and catch him and Kreider and, and all those guys. And that was who we lost to, um, you know, any other year we win that tournament, uh, going away. Um, we were pretty dominant that day until we ran into those guys. Right. Um, and at the time that was pretty much the best I'd ever, we'd ever done it. A, I'd ever personally done at a tournament. Um, and for it to be that tournament, that format, that was like my first competitive tournament that I kind of played in, uh, Detroit cup. Well, outside of that one, elite round um that was pretty special nice yeah like uh like what you're saying about you kind of played past your your pay grade past your expectation um it's a good feeling like you feel like you're actually on you kind of you know you're just surpassing previous limitations and well hopefully there's uh there's more memories i mean i'm kind of thinking back about like you know there was this question of what, what life looks like, um, outside of dodgeball. But I mean, you're still thinking not necessarily maybe Joe Coelho's to the wheels to come off, but you, you still, we still got some years out of you, right? I think I still got some gas in the tank, you know? Um, you never know. My, I've already gotten the clear, like I don't have kids yet, you know, hopefully someday, um, not getting any younger, but I've already been given the clearance ahead of time. Like, Oh, I still expect you to play when we have kids. And I was like, oh, didn't expect to hear that. So I'm already, you know, oh, man. got that part worked out because nice. I feel like a lot of folks, you know, I mean, um, not everybody's fortunate to be able to balance like the work life and then also like dodgeball and stuff and, and have kids and do that and be involved. Um, but I think my wife has the expectation that like kids won't change that. So, you know, I guess I'm one of the lucky ones. I'll say very cool of her. Well, um, before we wrap up, let me go ahead and hit us with the Austin Deeks joke. Um, I actually asked for this one this morning because I keep asking the last minute and just want to give him some time. Uh, let me take one second to read it first. Uh, okay, so here it goes. <clears throat> so he says, Yesterday I asked my girlfriend what she wanted for her birthday. She told me she wanted something with a lot of diamonds. I sure hope she likes a deck of cards I bought her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, thank you, Austin. I saw, uh, I don't know if you know, Doug Trippy, Trippy, Doug something from, he used to come from the, the Northwest, Trupisky. Trupsky. I don't, I'm not sure. Dougie Trupsky. He used to, I don't know if he plays anymore, but he was part of, uh, I think, Death Ball with Kenny. 
he's been he's been throwing out some some dad jokes too. So Austin, stay sharp, man. Um, you might have some competition, but uh, cool, I was man. Wondering what that is on the thing. I'm like, who's Austin Deeks? I don't. Oh boy. Oh you know, yeah, no, I wasn't I, sure what that was gonna be. So the normal blind side is the Austin Deeks joke because I, especially if you're on video, I can kind of get your reaction and it just makes it that much better. The, like the worse reaction, the cheesier, the the heavier eye roll, the better. So I usually keep that one. Uh, Austin will message to me. I'll keep it on red. That way I still have it on my pop-ups. Um, I did that with Kevin Belly too. So Kevin, uh, in case you're wondering, I, I did, I got you buddy. But, um, yeah, man, it's been almost, uh, probably with all the edits, it'll, it'll creep on the two hour mark. So, I mean, you've been a, you've been a great sport. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I want to say yeah, this. I hope people enjoyed listening. You know, I, I love to be back. I've been on a couple times, you know, maybe not, doesn't have to be another solo act here, but yeah, you know, another, panel of some sort or whatever i enjoy this yeah no for sure and um i was just gonna say i mean um this went as expected i didn't know what to expect but somehow this checks out <laughs> so um appreciate you being a good sport man and yeah I'm, I'm sure we'll have you on um in the near future um especially once dodgeball starts happening again and then you know people want to know more about you or dig into some of the things that we kind of dance around i mean we'll go there so um i think what we'll do man is we'll end the interview there all right so that was my uh interview or evening with uh tony stumpo rather and tony thanks so much man for being such a good sport um for allowing me to utilize you as a guinea pig for the live stream um kind of been playing with it a little bit but not really planned ahead um so this is new uh, to be able to say we're going to record at this time here's the link we'll see you there um was fun and also thank you everyone that submitted all these questions from the hilarious to the serious um really hope that people enjoy this interview i know i did um i didn't really know what to expect going into this other than it was going to be a fun ride and it sure was and uh, man tony I'll, I'll be sure to have you on definitely in the near future in some form whether it's uh, via panel discussion og chat or maybe digging into some of these uh topics that we kind of just barely touched but um Anyway, if you're still listening, thank you so much for, for doing so. As always, have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. it unless you got anything else that you want to talk about or no the one thing i meant to uh i meant to quote and i can't find it now um because we you know when asking about uh retirement and how much time you have um how much time you think you have left and i was gonna actually recite a tweet um from john cena when he said all things end when it's time to leave leave them guessing so hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Leave him guessing. Like, like, are you to come back or exactly? You just don't know.